Please join me in a word of prayer before we begin. Lord, we thank you for the songs that prepared our hearts, Lord God. We thank you for your people. We're more than willing, Lord God, to be to serve you and to be of use by you, to be a part of this service, Lord. I pray for blessings for them. Lord, right now, Lord, I pray for the teachers, Lord God, the Sunday school teachers. I pray for patience for them, for long-suffering for them. I pray for wisdom for them as they teach the next church, Lord God. I pray for the children, Lord God, that they will be uh, in love with you as they discover more of you. And I pray for your children that are here in this sanctuary. I pray, Lord God, for um, your Holy Spirit that is in all of us, Lord God, your people, to give us the clarity of your message on whatever it is that you are trying to tell us. I pray, Lord, for that soul that you are calling I pray that this will be the evening that they will surrender their life to you. And I pray, Lord God, for encouragement for those who are discouraged, Lord God, your children. I pray, Lord God, for a recovery for them. I pray for a rescue for them. And Lord, override my preparations, Lord God, and speak through me to them. And let you and you alone, Lord God, be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, tonight, uh, every... So it's either the anniversary, which I'm not pressured when it's the anniversary because we get a guest speaker. But whenever we draw big crowds, I get really nervous, which is what it is tonight. And this is not even a full house, but this is larger than what we usually get. And that creates pressure within me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if you think otherwise, you can speak next Easter. <laughs> it's open for you. Because it's always... It's always uh, my goal or my, my, my desire is to be able to, to convey to you the truth about Jesus. That you will fall in love with Him. That I'll be able to clearly communicate that and not screw it up. Which is close to impossible. Because, uh, but if, but my, that's my desire. So now I, I hope that all of you here... You know the, the parable of the, the sower, you know, where, where the seeds, some of the seeds fell on the footpath where nothing happened to it. And some fell into the thorny places and a little bit fell into the fertile soil. I pray that you are, your hearts will be fertile tonight. That you will receive this message and it will grow in your heart and God's love will grow in you. So I titled our message tonight, Do You Want the Truth? you want the truth? This is, I'm ripping this off from one of my favorite lines in one of the movies, A Few Good Men. Remember that scene? For those of you who have seen it, we're going to do an interactive one. We're going to try to have fun because the message is really heavy. So we'll try to have fun. At least I'll have your smiles for the beginning. And then you could just give me the mean mug after. So I'll be Tom Cruise and you'll respond. You'll be Jack Nicholson, Okay. <laughs> I want the truth. I like it. I like it. How about this side? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's right. Most of the time, the, the truth is we can't handle the truth. And if we're all going to be honest, most of the time, like the rest of our, this whole week, we either lied to somebody or somebody lied to us. And we would rather really have them tell us the truth. Do we agree? But the... The saddest thing, though, is when they tell us the truth, 
We can't handle it. Especially if it's somebody that we love and we care about, and so all of a sudden they're telling us that, you know what, I'm done. I can't, I can't be with you anymore. That's a heartbreak. And we can't handle that. That's the truth that we don't want. That's the truth that I don't want. And then if we're, you know, in, in relationships, in relationships, when we're having a hard time, it's either the question never comes or the answer is never true. Sometimes the person will, won't come, he or she will be too scared to ask the question, do we have a problem? And the person receiving that question sometimes, I don't, really don't want to tell you because you can't handle the truth. Right? Sometimes. Sometimes that talk never happens. And even if that talk happens, the response is not real or the question isn't real. But then I feel like it's the same thing with God. I feel like most of the time we really don't want the truth about God because we can't handle the truth about God. So we all know about the lines, I, I want the truth and you responded, I can't handle the truth. How about John 8.32? And you will know the truth? Well, wow, praise God. Look at that. I thought, I thought it would just be a room of knowing few good men, but not John 8.32. <laughs> praise God. You guys know it. John 8.32 said that. Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is the truth. But the sad reality for most people is that despite their knowledge of a certain truth, about whatever might could be about their health, about their relationship, and more importantly about God, they could care less about what they found out. They could care less. They won't do anything about it. They won't do anything about it. I was told that my blood sugar was high. And there are times that I could care less about it, especially when I'm at the buffet. I'm seeing all this sugar stuff. And I'm on the pot list. And I'm looking at all these things. I'm at the mall and I smell the sweet cinnamon rolls. I know the truth about my sugar level, but who cares at that point? I got a text. This is why we came into this. That's why I, I decided to have our title, Do You Want the Truth? Because sometimes we really don't want the truth. You know, we don't. And, but Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is why Jesus went to the cross. This is why he died on the cross. This is why that happened. It's because he needed to be sacrificed on the cross as payment for our sins. Because you and I can't do anything about it. You and I can't rescue ourselves out of hell. We have inherited the sin of Adam. And that is why that happened. That is why Jesus came down from heaven. To be born in a manger. So we celebrated Christmas. But you know what? Christmas won't be anything if Jesus didn't resurrect that Sunday. Because then he didn't prove that he was God. Everything that he was saying prior to that would have, would have been a lie. But because Jesus resurrected, everything else followed. Everything else that he's been saying, including this, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, the whole Christian world recognizes this day and celebrates this day. That's why we observe it, because without this day, our faith is futile. 
Amen? It's stupid. We are wasting our time. It's just another faith that will amount to nothing. All the tombs of the world faith people, only one is empty. And it's our faith. An article in New York Times came out years ago that says God is dead. And the article said we should be dancing in his grave. Little did he know that that grave is empty. He can be dancing in, a, in that grave all he wants, but it's empty. Pilgrims visit the tomb, the, the tomb of Jesus every day, year after year, knowing that it's empty. That is our faith. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, your Savior is alive. Your God is alive. And that's the truth. I know I gave the illustration about my blood sugar. Sometimes we really don't care, right? You know, I, I used to love spam. I used to love eating spam. I know my American friends are like, ew, yuck. Yeah, but I'm Filipino. And everything that comes in a box that my dad sends us from the States to the Philippines, all of those, the Vienna sausage, the spam, oh my gosh. I would trade what my mom will cook. I don't care if it's crab. I'll go to school and I'll see somebody with spam. I'm like, you want to trade? My friend will be surprised. Are you serious? You want my spam over your crab? I go, yeah, I want that spam. I loved it so much until I found out in a documentary. <laughs> how I wish I didn't know about it. How I wish nobody told me what spam is made of. Ugh. But I still eat it when it's there. I still eat it. Because sometimes I can't handle the truth. And I could care less about the truth. A lot of bad meals. A lot of diet. You know, some, some of us, some of you, you're still smoking cigarettes. Despite all the information that is in front of you. Right? The cigarettes, it could kill you. It's right in the pack. This could cause cancer. And there's that skull, right? But sometimes you don't want the truth. You could care less about the truth. Right? The commands of God are clear, cut and clear for us believers. That we need to love Him with all our heart, our entire being. Our entire being and then love others as we love ourselves. Well, we could care less about it, especially when they offend us. Right? Sometimes we could care less about the truth. You know, Francis Chan said this. Most people's belief system are based upon what they desire, not based upon what is true. If we can make a decision, you know what? You know what? I don't, I don't want to believe. I refuse to believe in a God that will send people to hell. I've heard that line. You refuse to believe? Is it really your decision? Do you really want to know the truth what you, you know, when you've been in a funeral? And then you know that the person's not a believer, but then somebody will say, well, at least she's in a better place. Do you really want to know the truth behind that statement of yours? Or you could care less about that truth. Do you really want the truth behind it? Folks, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you have to ask the question, is your stand, is that the truth? Is your faith, is that the truth? Because if you believe in God, you're one step closer. At least you know that there is a God. But are you believing in the right God? Because there's many not real God there. Alonso found this out when he went to the Philippines. He finally discovered the life full of 
fakes. He went to Green Hills. And if you've been in the Philippines, you know what Green Hills is about. This is, and he, he was making, he was repeating this line from a vendor. This vendor was saying, come on here, come on here, best fake ever, best fake ever. <laughs> and it's, it's a Chinese guy, so he has the accent. He goes, almost genuine, almost genuine. <laughs> Step right up, parang tunay, parang tunay, almost genuine, just like the real one. You know, in, in faith, in, in, when it comes to faith in God, there's a lot of things that looks almost the real one, but it's really not the real one. But do you want to know that truth? Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? You know what, Joe? Don't bother me, man. I'm having a great time right now. I'm here for Easter. I heard there was great food. I'm just, don't bother. I'm being blessed right now. I don't want the truth that you're about to give me or you're telling me. Because if you've been really closely following God, if you've really been closely following Jesus, a life with Jesus is really a life not full of a bed of roses. It's not really a day in the playground. It's a lifetime in the battleground. Do you want that truth? I, I, I don't. I, I don't want that truth, but I accept that truth. I accept the truth that the life with God is a difficult life. But I'd rather live that difficult life with Him than a day with parties and lies that will only lead me to hell anyway. I told you it's going to be a two, two hour. Where's my mom? <laughs> she left. John 6 30 to 59. So they asked him. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me, in me will never be thirsty. But as, as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe me. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Folks, you are here for one reason. For, for those of you who are visiting, your loved ones whether they're your family or your friends, invited you to come because they want you to hear the truth about Jesus. They want you to hear the truth that Jesus is the bread of life. These people in this, in this time, they asked for a sign from Jesus. And, and if you're going to read the scriptures, if you go back, they just saw Jesus multiply the bread and the fish. They just saw that miracle. And then they still want a sign from him. And Jesus actually made fun of them because when they saw them, Jesus said, you're not here looking for me. You're here because you ate the bread and you want more of that bread. So their question really here is, it, we want more. They want to make sure. A lot of people follow Jesus during this time because they don't want to go hungry. They don't want to go hungry. They want to make sure that they are fed. Sadly, even this time, in our time, a lot of people follow a God or follow a Jesus so they will be blessed. 
Not for who Jesus really is, but because of what they want from God. They really don't want the truth about God. They just want to be blessed by God. Lord, bless my food. Bless as I drive. Protect me as I drive to work. Protect me. Make my co-workers nice. As I go home, Lord, protect me from my husband. Make him friendly. Make him happy. We always want something from him. We always want something. We don't want him. We forget of wanting him. A real intimate relationship with the God of the universe. You know, it's our need that drives us to him. It is our need that drives up to him. So if you are in need, that's why you're here. Praise God for that need. If you are searching, if there is a hole in your heart, well, praise God for that hole. Because the only person that can fill that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, do you really want that truth? They ask a lot of questions here. But Jesus kept answering them, but they're still missing it. And look at the next verse. For I have come from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is still Jesus speaking. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. If you surrender your life to Christ, he will forever be with you. He will forever be with you. That's why us, we know that we cannot lose our salvation because we never earned it in the first place. If we can lose it, then we're keeping it in, for some reason. And that's not true. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it means it is finished. It didn't mean it is finished, but I actually need you to give to the poor. I actually need you to continue to do. No. The good works that we do after we receive Christ is the byproduct of our relationship with Him. Amen? What we have here is not a religion. A religion is you work out and hopefully you change within. What we have is, is a deep, intimate relationship. It's an intimate from within. It's a change from within. And we exhibit it out. That's what we have. That's what we believe in. And we do what God wants for us to do. Like Jesus said, I don't do my will, but I do my Father's will. And the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not the Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come, came down from heaven? You see, Jesus, if, if you are a person that haven't surrendered your life to Christ, you're still looking for a sign from him. It doesn't matter how many signs he does. And he'll do, and he will do in front of you, because if you really want to miss it, you'll miss it. And for those of you who have received speeding tickets here, traffic tickets, don't make a U-turn, right? You know what I'm saying. The signs were all over the place. You just ignored it, correct? And then us asking questions, do we really want answers? It reminds you of this story. Did you know that Albert Einstein had a Filipino friend? You know that's a stretch, right? Well, Albert Einstein's too smart to be friends with a Filipino because the Filipino will never make it on time on their meetings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Some Filipinos make it on time. Albert Einstein made friends with a Filipino, so he visited the Philippines. But Albert Einstein did his research, and he goes, oh, man, this is a 16-hour flight. Might as well have fun with my friend here. So he goes, let's just name him Bong. You know, most of the <laughs> There's no Bong here, I don't think. He goes, Bong, uh, let's play a game. He said, uh, Bong goes, sure, 
what game? He goes, I'll ask you a question. And if you can't answer it, you give me $5. Wong's like, what? man, you're a genius. How, how is this going to be, how is this going to work? And then, and then, but he goes, but wait, wait, wait. But if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'll give you $500. Bong goes, what? Bong, and you know, you have to know, Bong never really finished school. He's just been a street hustler, you know, been selling cigarettes in the street and stuff. So 500 is really attractive for him. So he goes, all right, this is worth the gamble. So Albert Einstein started. He goes, how far is the earth from the moon? Bong goes, please. Where's my $5? He brings it up. Wow. Wow. You got to start with science. And he gives it. And Albert goes, you know, feeling confident about himself. He goes, your turn. Bong goes, What's, what animal, what three-legged animal goes up the mountain and comes down with four legs? <laughs> Albert Einstein with all his, you know, his brain, you know, 95% of his brain was working. He's like going through the data. He's like, what? He pulls out his $500. He goes, here you go. And then Bong goes, thank you. Your turn. And then Albert goes, wait, before I take my turn, what animal, what three-legged animal goes up the mountain and goes down four, with four legs? Uh, Bong brings out his $5. You guys, you guys missed it here? Moral of the story is this. Don't go in a Q&A game with, the, with money with, against a Filipino because they'll make a way <laughs> to win that question and answer game. <laughs> now, sometimes we ask questions. We keep asking questions, but we really don't want the answer. We really don't want the answer. I've had people. I spoke to this one guy. He, he almost faced death. He had a stroke. And I met him in a birthday party, and his family was like, Joe, speak to him. Share Jesus to him. This is his second chance. And I started talking to him. I go, dude, you got a second chance. You, you know, did, did you see Jesus trying to give you, do you see Jesus' hand here trying to give you a second chance? He goes, man, you know what? I need signs. I go, what do you mean you need the sign? He goes, you know, I mean, if he comes down here and starts talking to me, yeah, I'll probably receive him. I go, wow, are you on drugs right now? Do you really think you can stay alive? If Jesus does come down here, you think you and I can really stand and, and, and just say, hey, okay, now I receive you. People with all the signs, with all the questions, with all the signs that God will give them, with all the answers that's really out there, they really don't want it. That's why the question of the title of our, our, our message is, do you want the truth? Because if you know, if you want the truth about Jesus, he will give it to you. We'll skip that. Our third point is this. Jesus is not a crowd pleaser. You know, telling the truth many times means you're not going to please a lot of people. Amen? The world says that you can't, if you can't please everyone. If you are, then you're doing something wrong. And Jesus is the same thing. In, in here we see, on hearing it, many of disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then if you jump into verse 66, listen, John 6, 6, 6. It says, from this time.
time, many of his disciples turned away, turned back, and no longer followed him. When you hear about Jesus, when you learn about Jesus, there's a lot of hard things there. A lot of things. The number one hard thing is this. Deny yourself. If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and come follow me. Is that easy? No. Do you want that truth? We don't want, they don't, we don't like that truth. But some of us, as we grow and mature in the faith, we accept that truth. Amen? For those of you who have loved or is loving someone, you know the sacrifice behind that statement, behind that commitment, especially the married people. The married people, you know that the love part during your wedding only lasted for that moment. Correct? Because the rest came is not love anymore. Everything that followed from that, I do. I love you. I choose you, baby. <laughs> I don't know why I go with bedroom voice. <laughs> but, but that's what we do. When you follow Jesus, when you hear the truth about Jesus, most of the time people turn away from it. People turn away from it. That's why there's a lot of false Beliefs there. That's why there's a lot of false prophets there. Because they know what you want to hear and you fall for it. You fall for it. Because do you really want the truth about Christ? There's a lot to be known and there's a lot of denying ourselves. And then look at, look at my point there is Jesus is not a crowd pleaser. Because when you tell the truth, you're not going to please them all the time. And look at what Jesus said. You do not want to leave too, do you? How about you? You want to go to? Basically, dared them. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, hey, 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 come here. Why are you leaving? Is it too hard for you? Oh, let me make it easy for you. Was that too much for you? You know, I, I mentioned the parable of the sower. One of the, one of the examples there is, is the fact that when trials, when trials in life come, People say, you know what? Never mind. This is too hard. The seed represents God's word. And the examples of, are, are the trials. The weeds, the lure of wealth. Sometimes we, 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 we spend our lives, American believers, we spend, Americans in general, we live to work. We live to work. It's different. You know, if you, go, if you go to a third world country, you'll see them working so that they can live. It's the opposite. That's why, in the, especially in the Philippines, that's why we're a third world country. Because, you know, we're, we love the manana, the manana habit. Hey, so we got to do this. Oh, yeah, we could do that later. What do you mean we could do that later? We could do it now. No, we'll do it later. Let's party first. Folks, as believers, we have to know that we have to be living for God's will. Do you want that truth? We know of that truth, but do we want it? And even if we don't want it, we have to come to an agreement and say, you know what? I might not like it, but I accept it. I accept this truth that God is giving me. 
And this is in Luke. A large crowd. Again, look at, look at Jesus' attitude with the large crowd. He doesn't really make it easy for them. He doesn't really try to win them. You know, if Jesus was here right now, he'll, he'll give us a very difficult parable and he'll say, let's close in prayer. <laughs> he won't give us the explanation unless you come to him. Like the disciples, why do you speak in parables, Lord? Then he gives them the answer. He gives them the answer. Because he wants to work with those who truly wants to learn. So why do we why do we cop out? Why do we not give the truth, believers? Why do we make it easy for them? Why do we have to back out from a conversation because oh this truth they probably can't handle? Why? Because we don't want to ruin relationships. I get it. Because we don't want to be rude. I'm I'm with you. But look at Jesus. A large crowd following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Meaning, put everyone else in a secondary position. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Do you guys want that truth? I'm thinking I'm probably not going to see some of you guys again next Sunday. <laughs> because of this truth. This is what we believe in. This is the Jesus that we believe in. This is our faith. This is what Jesus calls for us to do. Do you want that truth? Because as much as Jesus resurrected on the third day, that he is alive right now, this is true too. He is telling us to hate everyone else, to put ev not the hate that we like to give to each other, okay? This is not the hate. That's not the hate. It's the hate that putting them on a secondary, a lower position. Because the first position must be Jesus, amen? Not any other thing, not your other relationships. Have Jesus, have this in mind. If you're just going to take Jesus and you're going to take him and put him in your storage with your, all your other toys, oh yeah, I can use a little bit of Jesus. Yeah, I'll put it in my garage. Because, you know, I got a lot of things. And, and look at this. Even your own life. You know what? I'm sorry. I know you're probably very important. So he's probably not referring to you, right? I'm pretty sure you have a, a great father and a mother. So he's, he's probably not referring to your father and your mother. No, he is. Right? He is. He is referring to all of us, no matter how important you are. No matter how loving your parents are and your children. Some of you have those bumper stickers, right? You have the honor student. The honor, honor roll student. But even then, even those relationships, Jesus is saying, put them below me. They need to be secondary. They need to be underneath me. They can't be on top of me. Or they, the worst thing is they, you know what? I'm going to use a golf term. At par. They can't even be at par with Jesus. Jesus is saying, put them below me. Even your own life, even your own plans. 
Do you want that truth? I'm assuming most of you don't. But that is the truth that Jesus has proclaimed for us. If we want to be his disciple, we need to put everyone else underneath, even our own lives. The truth is, Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us comfort and safety. Some people sell salvation like it's an insurance plan or a safety net. Unfortunately, we sometimes think that coming to God means that everything will be okay. Life will get better. Sometimes it gets worse. We aren't promised that everything will be okay. We're promised His presence. Amen? He doesn't promise to keep us safe. Rather, He invites us into a dangerous story to be proclaimers of hope in the midst of a very unsafe world. That's the truth. It is the truth. Do you want that truth? Our next point is this. Evidence is there. The evidence if for God, for Jesus resurrecting on the third day is there. If you're sitting there, you're a skeptic. You're still not sure if Jesus is real. If he really resurrected, evidence is there for you to research. And if you don't have the time, some people did the work for you. But let me go to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 39. I pass on to you what is the most more, what was most important and what had also been passed unto me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter. And look, you can read this on your own, but now I'm going to get to the point because I'm running out of time. There's eyewitnesses. Paul is saying, I have eyewitnesses. And he names the eyewitnesses. Basically saying, if that email came out today and you're get, reading this email, you can verify. Go to talk to Peter. And then he even says there's 500 of them. 500 of them. Which of some of them are still alive. He's basically telling you, go ahead and verify. Go ahead and verify. You guys, I used this, I used this uh, example a couple of messages ago. A couple of Easter messages ago. It says, Sir Lionel Lockhu. A very successful, he's recorded in the Guinness Book of Re World Records as the world's most successful advocate. With 245 consecutive murder acquittals, he was knighted by que Queen Elizabeth II twice. Lockwood declared, I humbly add, I have spent more than 42 years as a defense trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and I'm in still active practice. I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials. And I say, unequivocally, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. No room for doubt. That's a trial attorney. He used all his training. To discount it, many experts, many scholars, many professionals tried to discount the resurrection. But some of them came out as a believer. They looked at all the same evidences that they researched, same evidence. But like what Jesus said, some of you will take it, some of you won't. Because the ones that will accept me are the ones that my Father has drawn to me. You look at the same thing. 
but you're not speaking the same thing. It reminds me again of Albert and Bong. Bong was, was, you know, he was trying to be fancy with Albert. He was trying to impress Albert. And Albert gave his theory about energy. And then Bong said, you know, Bong, oh, you know, Albert, that's so, that's so vague you. What do you mean vague you? You know, it's so vague you. I, I can't understand. I can't truly understand. You're so vague you. You mean vague? Oh, you know, it, and then he, Bon was so embarrassed, and he had an excuse, you know, because he's a street hustler, right? Oh, you know, every time I try to, that's, that's the problem. Whenever I try to speak something, uh, whenever I speak fast, my tongue you gets twisted. <laughs> and then Albert goes, dude, listen, Bon, you know, let me give you a grammatical principle. Any word that ends with the U and E, those are silent. And then Bong goes, okay, let's not arg about it. <laughs> let's not arg about it. Let's just drop it, okay? Let's not arg. <laughs> the, the evidence is there. The evidence is there, folks. The evidence for Jesus' resurrection is real. So if he is real, if he truly resurrected, then he truly died. Correct. If he truly died, then he was truly crucified. Correct. Why did he get crucified? Because of what he has been saying before he got crucified. Because he was going to die for your sins and mine. Correct. And that's a free gift. We just need to accept it. So all those are true. It's not vague you. It's just the vague. It is clear. Another, this is from Lee Strubble. The Case for Christ. He says, on November 8, 1981, my legend thesis, to which I had doggedly clung for so many years, had been thoroughly dismantled. What's more, my journalistic skepticism toward the supernatural had melted in the light of the breathtaking historical event. In fact, my mind could not conjure up a single explanation that fit the evidence of history, nearly as well as the conclusion that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the one and only Son of God. The atheism I had embraced for so long buckled under the weight of historical truth. It was anticipated when I embarked on this investigative process, certainly not what I anticipated, he said, but it was, in my opinion, a decision compelled by facts. He tried to discredit Jesus. He tried. He All his professional training, he tried to make sure and to convince the world that this is a lie. But it's not. Jesus resurrected many years ago. He is alive right now. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He gives that free gift for everyone to receive. For anyone to receive. Our fifth point. It's your move. The parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. You can read that on your own. But as, as we started this, I got an email. Now, there's a property in Verdi, folks. There's a property in Verdi near the rail tracks. And the owners were digging for an in-ground pool. Okay? But then they hit the ground and then they dug oil. Oil came out from the ground. Property from Verdi. The crazy thing is this property is for sale. For 275000 
Now, before you get and call your realtors and buy that, I'm joking, okay? It's just an example. Because if that story was real, we will all jump into it. If we have the means, we will all jump into it because we know oil is the next gold, right? We know that, oh my gosh, it's worth it. I'll make money from it. Lots of money from it. And look at this. Here's the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Because he knew heaven. Because if you know Jesus, that he becomes your everything, you could care less about everything else. Do we agree? Now, I'm not telling you to sell all you have and then be a missionary in Africa. Unless God calls you, that's, that's on you. But let it be God calling you, not me. But if you know the truth about Jesus and he becomes your everything, the decision now falls on you. Are you willing to give your everything for him? Are you willing to give your everything for him? John eleven thirty eight to 39. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. This is the death of Lazarus. This is four days after Jesus heard it. That, hey, Jesus, your friend, your good friend Lazarus, he's dying. Jesus waited for four days before he came. Four days. He saw everybody crying. And then everybody said, Jesus, if you were here, he would have not died. Because four days. Because their beliefs, Jewish beliefs is in three days, if a person is dead for three days, they still have their soul. They could probably still pray for him. And he would stop, probably still be alive. But on the fourth day, all hope was lost. That's why Jesus waited for four days. He wanted to make sure that the body stinketh. The body stinketh. It stinks. And look at what Jesus said. Take away the stone, he said. Take away the stone. We all have a stone in our hearts. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, your hearts are still closed. And Jesus is saying, take away that stone. And then he called Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come out. He named him because if he didn't name him, if he just said, came out, come out, it would have been the first Walking Dead series. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did come out. And he said, remove the cloths. Folks, Jesus is calling you. If you have not surrendered your life to him, he is calling you. He is saying, remove the stone from your heart and receive him. He knows you by name. He knows everybody by name. Most people would like to turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to things about God because it ruins their convenient life or peaceful or profitable life as they see it. The evidence for Jesus' birth, his life, his death on the cross and his resurrection has withstood many years and many claims to deny it. Many years. Jesus, however, will not force us. Jesus will not force us. Just like when he gave that parable and then he walks away. He tells us and he offers it, but he doesn't force you. He will not demean himself like that. He will not cheapen the, the gift of grace. 
because it cost him everything. Do we agree? He cost, it cost him everything. So why would he say, look, just take me? He's not begging us. He's not a scrawny guy up there. He's not one, a guy up there that's scrawny and just begging us. Like, come on, take me, take me. Come into a relationship with me. No, he's the great, almighty God, creator of the universe. All-powerful, all-loving, almighty. He, he is long-suffering for those who have accepted him. He is long-suffering for those who still need to accept him. But folks, tomorrow is never promised for everyone. If you can hear that knock in your heart right now from Jesus, I pray that this will be the eve that you will accept Him as your Lord. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the evidence of Your resurrection, Lord God, that it has withstood many claims and denials, Lord God, and that He had saved those people who tried. And we thank You, Lord, for the evidence that You have given to support our faith. But more, more importantly, Lord God, we thank you for resurrecting. Because it proves to us that our faith is true and is real. And then, Lord, we thank you for loving us, for choosing us to be your children. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. We celebrate you, Lord God, for your faithfulness and for being true to your promises. We rely on your power, Lord. I pray for help, Lord God, for those who need help, for the broken relationships, Lord God. I pray for restoration for them. I pray for comfort for those who are, have a broken heart, Lord. I pray for healing for those who are physically sick, Lord. And I pray for salvation for those who are spiritually sick. Guide us, Father God, and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.